Apple's in a lot of trouble, Lockhart gets talked about, and you've got a lot of questions. Happy Friday, everybody. We are steamrolling through the month of June, even though we don't have E3. There was a lot going on this month in the gaming world. There's a lot going on in the courts. Microsoft pushed out a lot of good stuff. And uh, as always, happy that you are here. And let's just dive into it. The first thing that came out today kind of bridges the Microsoft and Apple world. So uh, kettle black sort of scenario here. Microsoft is also joining the complaint group. Now, if you're not familiar with this, long story short, uh, Basecamp founder or Basecamp, the company, which creates a, a group collaboration platform. And I we actually use it personally here at this company, uh, created an email app and it's called Hey or at Hey.com. So you can go get Brad at Hey.com and it costs 99 bucks for that. Or if you want like a vanity like B at Hey.com. It's $1,000 a year. It's tough to say that. Anyways, long story short, they put their app into the App Store. Uh, Apple said, hey, that's great. We're happy your app is here. Uh, if you want to use a subscription, give us 30%. And they said, nope. And Apple said, yep. And uh, well, they're fighting it out. And so Apple has a very strict policy that says, hey, if your app's in there and you're doing subscriptions, we get 30%. We don't really care fingers in the ears, blah, blah, blah. We don't care what else is going on out in the world. And there's no exceptions. That's just the way it is. That's what they've always done. That's just been the tried and true method. Well, that methodology and that logic, I think made sense back when the app store was brand new and the model didn't really exist and we didn't know expenses and fees and how things were going to work. But I think it's fair to say at this point that Apple is an extreme gatekeeper to iOS. If you want your apps on iOS, you have to follow that platform and you have to follow that model. And Apple has rules and, and paths and, and some of it's arbitrary, some of it's clear. Long story short, the EU is saying, eh, we need to look into this because Apple might be abusing its position in the market to say who can and cannot offer services, what they can charge, and are they giving Apple's own services a competitive advantage? Easier example to understand, Spotify versus Apple Music. Apple Music goes into the Apple Store. They don't. There is no 30%. Spotify goes into the Apple Store or iOS Store. There's a 30% cut or potentially 15% cut. It, it gets a little mucky. But the point here is that Apple services on a massive platform get a huge advantage over smaller services. And, well, the EU and most antitrust services don't like that. Microsoft got nailed for that uh, back in the day when they got nailed uh, with their browser bundling and a whole bunch of other stuff. And so Microsoft came out this week, Brad Smith specifically, and says, yeah, uh, we kind of agree that Apple's abusing it, and it's worse than what we did back with Windows. I don't know if you could quite say it's worse than what they did with Windows, but it's in the same realm. It's definitely, in my opinion, anti-competitive uh, for the consumer. And so this is going to be something that's going to play out. Now, all this is happening hilariously, uh, what, like four days before Apple's going to hold a keynote at its developer conference. And I'll be curious to see how they do or do not address this kind of monkey in the room or elephant on the table or frog on your plate, whatever you want to call it. This is going to be a big deal. This is going to be a huge deal, and it's something that's going to be talked about for a very long time, and it's not going to be solved overnight. So I know the narrative is going to get old and boring, but this is going to take some time to play out. Apple has to go to courts and, and present its side of the argument. This is only happening so far in the EU, but it is expected to happen here in the United States as well with antitrust regulation. And this is going to be an industry-shifting uh, result, no, either for or against Apple, no matter what comes out, either uh, 
affirms Apple's position or you know says, hey, you are abusing your position, that there's going to be huge ramifications either way long term. So this is definitely something you shouldn't just ignore and be like, ah, the courts will fix. Like you should pay attention to this because this, as a consumer, will impact you one way or another. Uh, so going back to the Microsoft camp, Microsoft is going to resume optional updates on Windows 10. They had stopped those for a while because of all the stuff going, basically everything happening in society. And so they are going to resume those, uh, I believe, starting next month. Uh, and Microsoft also released their first build, which I believe is from the Iron Branch. Um, some people might call it 21H1, whatever you want to call it. There's a new build of Windows 10 from a new branch that Microsoft is or is not saying is going to include features that may or may not arrive in the spring release of Windows 10. I, there's so many caveats here because Microsoft is taking this blanket statement like, hey, we'll, we'll dip features in and out. Whether or not they're going to show up in the builds is fine. I completely understand and respect that. But they need to be clear about, hey, is this release targeted for spring? And they won't really say that anymore. It's annoying. Whatever. The build that came out yesterday is targeted for the spring. What features it will include? Who knows? But that's what it's going on. Speaking of the rings, by the way, Microsoft is actually renaming all their rings. I think this is more of just sort of a take the eraser out, remove it from the, the paper and rewrite a new name. What they're doing is the fast ring is now known as the dev ring. The slow ring is now known as the beta ring. And then release preview is, or they call them channels, not rings. So it, you have fast ring is now dev channel. Uh, slow ring is now beta channel. And then release preview is now release preview channel. It pretty much follows the same thing Edge is doing. And I believe Office is in a very similar cadence. It's kind of aligning all that stuff. And it's not that big of a deal, but Microsoft is promising a proof focus on quality. You know, proof will be in the pudding over time, but we will see how that all shakes out. Uh, speaking of proof in the pudding, if you are if you use storage spaces and Windows 10 2004, that is the release that just rolled out. Don't because it breaks. Storage spaces breaks on Windows 10 2004. Do not use it. If you have it already installed and you're running into issues, know that you are not alone. And Microsoft is actually saying there's not a workaround yet for this issue. So if you use storage spaces, do not upgrade. Don't don't do it. You'll be back. Speaking of Windows 10 2004, that name is kind of confusing because it sort of sounds like Windows Server 2003 or something like that. So Microsoft is actually going to officially be renaming it to H2 and H1 releases. So the next release will be known as 20H2 and the one in the spring will be 21H1. It's a much cleaner and easier to use. I, I get why they had 1809 because that kind of made sense. But as soon as you got into the 20s, it just didn't really make too much sense anymore. And so th those are the big highlights that are happening around the industry this week. In the gaming world, though, there is a lot going on, a lot going on. EA had an extravaganza this week, actually, specifically yesterday. And so they showed off a bunch of stuff. I want to just point out a couple things here. Well, they did talk about some games. Squadron looks pretty good. I'll be very interested that 5v5 Star Wars style uh, fi uh, flying fighter. I can't get the words out of my mouth. But they did show off new games from Dice, Bioware, and Criterion. Uh, okay, so... Keep this in mind because they showed off some impressive graphics. Now, I know this is a podcast, even though some people watch it on YouTube. I'm not going to show it because you got to understand, I believe they are showing off the absolute best case scenario. Keep in mind, because if you go look at like the, the Porsches and things they were showing off, I believe from Criterion, it looked like it's hard to tell that this is actually like a game and not a an actual video of somebody just walking around a car. Like they are spectacular. Keep in mind, this is sort of like best case scenario, right? It's only rendering a car. It's not rendering the car, the scene, uh, the geometry, um, the movement, the explosions, the people. So keep in mind that while this stuff looks fantastic and it makes me super excited that next-gen graphics are going to be phenomenal on consoles, put a little salt on it knowing that they're not going to go up there and show off like some really 
geometric, unpolished design. That's not what they're going to show off here. They want to say, this is what we're headed towards. This is what's capable. This is what we can do. And it it works. I'm not not, not even going to lie because it makes me happy, especially Criterion. They made some really good games back in the day of just crashing cars into semis and trying to create explosions. And if they come out with anything close to that for the next gen, I will absolutely be buying it. Anyways, so just keep that in mind. EA's video, I think, is probably worth a watch if you're into that sort of stuff. They also showed off FIFA, or, or talked about FIFA, I should say. I know there's quite a few people who have been looking on the lookout for that. And uh, it all looks good. It all looks great. You know, a good time to be a gamer. Now, the big news that I'm sure many people are interested in, I believe it was a German retailer came out and listed Lockhart at $200 and Anaconda at $400. So that's the Xbox Series S, $200. The Xbox Series X at $400. 400 and I am here to tell you I don't think that's accurate now let me let me explain the logical reasoning behind this one I'm not sure if Microsoft has fully locked down the pricing yet first off they haven't even announced the series s yet so just keep that in mind when a retailer is already listing pricing or a retail outlets are already listing pricing it gets a little murky Here's the biggest reason why I don't think that the $200 Lockhart price is accurate. Microsoft could not even launch the Xbox One S All Digital Edition at $200. How are they going to launch a brand new console with a brand new chip and a brand new GPU and a brand new marketing campaign at $200? There's only one way they can do that. They take a significant loss on each unit sold. That is the only way Microsoft can hit $200. It's the only way it's going to happen. And that's the only way Microsoft can move forward that path. So a Retailer listing that stuff or even outlets talking about that is a bit, they're they're trying to grab headlines, I, I realistically think. $400 for the Series X is something that Microsoft, again, could do, I believe, if they were to charge or to take a loss on the console. Don't get me wrong, $200 and $400 narrative, fantastic. Microsoft would move a ton of units. They'd also lose a ton of money. So just be reasonable in your expectations when you see these things. Also, I want to point out there has been some crazy hype for what is going to be happening in potentially in July, provided Microsoft keeps to its current plans as I understand them. People are going nuts that we're going to get two consoles announced or two consoles that day. We're going to get pricing. We're going to get ship dates. We're going to get pre-order dates. We're going to get some new games. We're going to get some new... Like, the, the, here's the challenge. People saw what Sony did, and we saw what Microsoft did with their first third-party games. We're still waiting on that first-party game studio stuff, and we're still waiting on some of the hardware announcements. But the expectations have ramped up from Sony. Sony did better, in my opinion, than what Microsoft did in their third-party release. Now, it wasn't like lights and day, like night and day, better, but it was it was well more polished, I think, than what Microsoft had put together. That being said. The expectations for Microsoft Next event are through the roof. And the problem with that is that everybody is so amped that everything is going to be announced and that we're going to have so many more details and just everything is going to be just laid out. The only thing that can happen is for Microsoft to fail. People need to just ratchet it down a little bit. We've got a long time before these things launch. We've got a long time. Microsoft is going to be dripping the information out. That is the strategy they've already announced. Keep that in mind and keep expectations on a certain playing field, please, because people are sending me some crazy rumors. Like somebody put that they're going to announce two different headsets in July, like two different wireless headsets. I ah, like, and now if they don't do that, that person's going to be disappointed. That's just keep expectations on the level. That's that's what I'm trying to say here. Uh, the other thing in the gaming news is Cyberpunk 2077 is delayed until late, mid to late November, which kind of makes it almost sound like it's going to be a launch title for the next gen consoles. So 
keep that in mind that November, I believe it's November 19th specifically. If that is something you are looking forward to, you've now got to wait a little bit longer, but you might be able to play it on your shiny brand new Series X, if you will. So we are going to dive into the questions. As I say every week, my favorite part, because it keeps me on my toes, and we've got Sherlock Holmes kicking it off. It looks like the new Edge loves to act weird on my PCs. When I move some websites like Variety.com and accept the privacy settings, and after some time being the Edge settings reset, it often happens that I have to reaccept the settings again. Any idea why? Thanks. So I'm without full. There's like a couple questions I would I'd ask first. Like, what version of Edge are you running? If you're running like the Dev or the Canary or anything other than Stable, maybe give Stable a shot because well, stable is supposed to be stable. And I don't know which specific settings you're referring to. Hopefully it's not the cookies. If it's the cookie thing, you got to click on some sites. That could be a, a variety of reasons being anything that you have it set up. So you don't accept cookies like by default, even though you click accept on the website, it doesn't download them. That is a feature that some websites or browsers and, and extensions can use. And that might be why you're getting it. Now, if you're talking about settings inside of the Edge app and they're resetting, that is a whole different can of worms because that means the application is not retaining the state that you are trying to save it in and that is actually in fact a bug in the browser uh, bart says on twitter you responded to zach by regarding in the latest build in the dev channel you, you mentioned that there will be no new features in 20xxx builds were you joking or can you tell us a bit more about i was a complete joke uh zach tweeted something uh like nefarious about uh the like new builds, like there's no new features. And so I just quote tweeted him and said, Zach is officially confirming there's no new features in the next releases of Windows 10. That was a complete joke. Just ignore my stupidity that I do on the Twitters. Uh, Triple Plate says, will there be an all digital edition of the Xbox Series X? Uh, would it surprise me? It wouldn't surprise me, but we haven't heard officially. I think Sony coming out and saying, hey, we are definitely going the digital route puts a little bit more muscle behind Microsoft going down that path. I don't think it'd be very hard for... The nice thing is if Microsoft decides to go the all digital route with the Series X, if they go that route, they don't have to have some sort of awkward design like Sony does where they put like a chin on it. Although I will say the PS5, when it's put horizontally, does look significantly better with the disk drive uh, than it does vertically. That is an issue aside, but... Um, it would, I would not be shocked at all if we saw a Series X without a disk drive. I think it's going to fit. I don't know if they're going to launch with that, but it would not surprise me if we see one in the life cycle of the device in any capacity. Uh, Usman says, hey, Brad, I don't really buy into the rumor mill, but this has been circulating around lately uh, where the price or the bill of materials for the Series X is around $400 and $200 for the Lockhart. Now, of course, there are random pricing leaks and stories every day, so I'll take this one with a grain of salt. However, have you had a ballpark figure bill of materials? And yes, I have, and I'm not, I can't, I'm not going to run with them yet. Um, I I have a very good idea of what the bill of materials are uh, for these things, which is how I'm a little bit more confident in what the pricing can and cannot be for Microsoft to take things, um, if you will, and pricing them without a loss. That is, yes. So there you go. Uh, Sydney2K says, uh, I just watched your video about the Xbox Series pricing framework and how you outline the Series X, the most powerful console, as a premium product and priced accordingly, somewhere between $499 and $599. You compare it to the PS5, which you surmise might likely be $399 to $499. What you didn't factor in was the presence of the PS5 Digital Edition. You are absolutely right, Sydney. In the last 
uh, weekend's weekly roundup, you suggest that the digital edition would come in about $50 less than the Blu-ray Drive edition. But I've seen other competitors suggesting that aggressively pricing a former of $100 less and they move directly targeting Lockhart. If this is the case, how low can Lockhart go? What is the price difference that Spencer is willing to go to keep the price advantage? Microsoft? So there have been a lot of interesting conversations in the Microsoft camp. And I absolutely expect this is happening in Sony. They are trying very hard to figure out what their competitor is going to price the console at. This is this is like huge deal right now because both companies know that if you go to the store, if you walk into Best Buy and you're looking to buy a console and you don't own a console, this is your first console and you see the Sony PlayStation 5 at 4.99 and you see the Xbox Series X at 5.99 well, you're going to be like, ah, I've heard of Sony PlayStation. That's probably good. I'll just grab that one. I can guarantee you that person does not care about absolute best performance because the people that care about absolute best performance already have a, an SLI 2080Ti already or 3080Ti by the time these things come out potentially uh, in their PC. So pricing and consumers and pricing sensitivity is massive with consoles. Massive. That is the only reason Microsoft is considering a Lockhart is because they know that the Series X is going to be premium priced and they need something that is closer to that value addition to get the next generation of console gamers into their ecosystem. This is a very smart play. I, I very much hope that Microsoft does not balk or screw up the launch of the Series S because they have a potential there, especially with Sony going with their two SKU route, but they're both going to be more expensive. I, I, I struggle to think that there's going to be a hundred dollar price difference unless again, Sony is willing to take a loss. The company is willing to take a loss on a console is such a hard variable to determine because it's not based on a bill of materials. It's not based on anything else than people sitting in a room saying we can afford to lose X amount of dollars on a console and we'll make it up over the life cycle. That, that X factor is incredibly hard to predict and it swings wildly between Sony and Microsoft specifically on the Microsoft side, because if Microsoft truly believes that they can get many people to buy a console and get an attach rate. And an attach rate is the, the factor of a user to buy something in addition to the console itself. If they can know that that Game Pass and Xbox Live Gold attach rate is going to be extremely strong, I can guarantee you Microsoft will factor that into the X rate that they're willing to lose or at least break even on a console knowing that they have, let's just say like a 72%, making that number up by the way, completely making that up, 72% attach rate for Game Pass and Gold and so that they know that revenue stream will exist on the backside. Sony does have those services as well, but they're not... I want to call them as robust as what Microsoft is pushing towards, especially when you include things like xCloud. And so these two companies have an X factor that is very hard to determine. And they're both sitting at tables right now trying to determine what is the maximum X factor they were willing to take and what do they think their competitor is going to do and then try to price their consoles. They're not dumb. They're not going to go out and say this is a $1,000 console. They know that. But somewhere between that, I, I guarantee they have... Um, P&Ls, profit and losses, dictated out for pricing the consoles anywhere from like $399, probably up to like $699, right? $699 meaning that they're probably more than likely going to be making money at $399, meaning they're going to lose quite a bit. And so what does that, what do the market metrics look like for pricing at the consoles at different variable rates throughout the life cycle? And how does it impact the overall organization? You got to remember, these companies are here to make money. They are not here to be charities. They are not here to be your best friend. They are here to bring money in and then dish it out to their shareholders or reinvest into the company or pay their employees 
employees. That is what they are there to do. And they need to be very careful about how they price these things. Because for somebody like Phil Spencer, who has ratcheted up a serious bill, a serious bill buying up studios, he's putting a lot on the line. This is the best shot Xbox has had in a very long time. I mean, he's bought studios. He has invested heavily. He has already built the most expensive or most powerful console. Phil has built a massive war chest of essentially bills that he owes to Amy Hood, who is the CFO of Microsoft, who writes the checks that actually allows Phil to buy these things. Now Phil has to prove to her that, hey, look, we've spent all this money. Now we're going to recoup it on the back end, and this is how we're going to do it. And that is how he has justified building up the Xbox brand to take on Sony. And Microsoft hasn't gone this aggressively potentially maybe since the first one. Um, you might be able to make that argument with the 360, but the 360 was hamstrung by the Red Ring of Death. We all know that story, but Xbox is sitting in a very good position where they put a lot of assets into the launch and life cycle of the Series X. And now they have to be very careful about how they price this console because if they price it too high and they don't sell anything, then that attach rate dissolves and so does xCloud and so does Game Pass and everything else falls behind it. So it, there's a very much, uh, there's the Spider-Man meme of two Spider-Man pointing at each other. Microsoft and Sony are locked into this battle of trying to determine who and what and where and when they're going to price these things. Because don't get me wrong, it would not surprise me if Microsoft comes out and says, and, and let's just make up numbers and says, hey, we're going to be $499. And Sony comes out and says, hey, we're going to be $479. I bet you Microsoft would be like, eh, fine, we'll do that. But if there's a huge difference, then it's a whole different strategy. It, this is this is business economics, like not even 101, like, like 601. This is like graduate level stuff of trying to find the right pricing model to launch this console at in re retrospect to how your competitor is going to launch it. It's going to be, it's very interesting. This is my favorite part of the launch console cycles because we know that we know the cards. We know the cards from Sony. We know the cards from Microsoft. And now they are, are trying to strategically play them at given times because you got to remember they can't hold on to the price forever. They've got to open up pre-orders. They've got to get um, people saving. There are realistic scenarios where the people will be like, okay, I know the console is 500 bucks. I need to put away hundred bucks a month. That is a very real thing that Microsoft is aware of. And they know how people are going to save for this stuff same with sony at the exact same side and so it's fascinating to figure out when and how and where they're going to launch because there's so many variables involved it, it makes me happy um it's something i love to think about i think about it far too often and mike mike putafat says in your book beneath the surface thanks for reading mike uh you said that microsoft will finally deliver a service monitor in 2020 time frame is that still likely to happen will the surface studio display ever be sold as a standalone product uh, i haven't heard specifically if it's still on track to launch this year you've got to remember that book uh, when you were reading that information, I believe it was almost three years old at this point. It was my understanding that they were targeting for the 2020. Now, what has happened this spring has dramatically shifted things that Microsoft are approaching. I do know that they have a standalone monitor. I, I know that that exists. I, have, I, I know that it exists. I'm very confident in that. I don't know exactly when it's launched. I believe Mary Jo Foley had heard that it was going to launch this fall. And that, that lines up to what I'd heard in the book. But that I haven't followed up on that specific tidbit of information uh, in a couple months. So maybe maybe I should dig back into that. Uh, Yoshi says, do you think the faster SSD in the PS5 could be the cause of concern for Microsoft? Or will the areas of the Xbox Series X come out ahead and make up the difference? So I, I don't... Sony is latching on to the one thing that potentially might be equal to or better than the Series X. We don't actually... We, we know, or we believe, I should say, it's better based on the information Sony Marketing has given us. Uh, if you also remember that Sony Marketing said, like, it was it the PS3? It was going to have, like, four HDMI ports or something crazy like that. We only know what Microsoft and Sony have given us. 
whether or not things are as powerful as they say they are is still up for interpretation. Now, Microsoft has, I believe, done a good job with Digital Foundry and letting them have some access and do some math on the back end um, to understand the actual compute and everything that is going on. So that is helpful. But we've only heard Sony marketing. We, you got to be cautious when you keep saying SSD is faster than Sony. It very well could be. I'm not arguing that. But we don't know, is that a boost speed? Is that the clock speed? Is that a potential? Is that a theoretical? We don't know the full details yet because nobody has their hands on this stuff to actually dig into it. And it brings up another point. Somebody somebody asked about uh, Lockhart, and this is part of my own fault, but I'll explain here in a second. So Lockhart, people are, are concerned that um, it's going to have a lower GPU and that's where developers are going to target. And I have heard that as well, but that was over a year ago. That was more than a year ago. And candidly, that was more than a year ago of when most developers actually had consoles to start developing with. So you got to keep in mind that things change. Microsoft and game developers candidly already know how to work with variable GPUs. And I don't mean variable clock speeds. I mean, variable, think about building a game for a PC. One person might have a 1060. The other person might have a 2080 Ti. That difference in GPU compute has not really made a difference or held back PC gaming. Consoles are the same way. We already have that issue today with the Series X and the Xbox One S. So that problem has already been solved. The problem of variable GPUs on a console has already been solved. Microsoft is doing it this generation. Sony does it too with the PS4 Pro and they have variable speeds and performance and outputs. That is no longer an issue. It was an issue back in the day when Nintendo 64 existed and, and things like that when developers weren't as dynamic or have access basically to a high-speed internet. And so there you go. Um, let's see here. JNBK says, have you heard of issues with continue on PC? I'm using Edge for iPhone. And if I go and if I go to the into the menu and then continue on the PC, it'll say error message at the top. If you try again and say finding your devices, it never finds my PC. If I click the generic share button and then click share to continue the PC, then my PC will show up and I can use it just fine. I will be absolutely candid. I have never used that feature other than right after it was announced. I, I if you, that's the workaround that works, that's what I would say keep doing. But um, I, I'm not, I just, I don't use that feature. I do use Edge on both my iOS and my desktop, but I've never actually shared it from my phone to there because I, I just don't have a need candidly. And that's really it. And then Mr. PKI says, uh, closing out for the questions of the week, do you think we will have any major new exclusive games for Xbox Series X at console launch or will they all be late? And what do you think about the up upcoming EA Squadrons game? So are we going to have any exclusive titles at launch? Microsoft has reiterated very recently that Halo Infinite will be a launch title. We don't know what shape or form it will be in. Maybe it'll just be uh, first person or maybe it'll just be multiplayer. I don't know. Maybe it'll be the whole game. Microsoft did reiterate. I think it was Phil Spencer or Major Nelson. One of those two very recently said that Infinite will be a launch title. So will we get any new titles? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I think if you're talking about brand new IP at launch, I don't know. We will find out here in July, hopefully. But I mean, I think you can guarantee a Forza. I'm going to be very curious to see, by the way, how Forza, the new version of Forza compares to uh, the new Gran Turismo and some of the new Criterion games coming from EA. Now, granted, the Criterion games are usually like um, crash and smash them type scenarios, at least when it, you know, in historical context. And so... I'd be more curious from the graphic fidelity, what's going to happen there. But Forza is usually a hall, like a high watermark for Microsoft and graphics. And so I'll be curious to see what next generation looks like on it. Um, and then what do I think of the new EA Squadrons game? I think it looks neat. They showed off a bunch more yesterday about some of the different missions. And uh, there's going to be a single player campaign and how it's going to work. I'll be really curious to see. 
um because it's 5v5 and like how respawning and how that's going to work and look getting a better feel for all the game modes also there's vr support which i need to figure out if i have vr capable i do have a vr headset um it's an hp on older one and that might be an interesting title uh to cause me to throw up while playing the game but i'll be very curious to see how that all shakes out as always everybody thanks for tuning in very much appreciate the questions catch all of you right back here next time